Scary Story Podcast brings original short scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, spooky friends. I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you for joining us, dear listener. Whether it's your first time delving into the darkness or if you're brave enough to make a return visit, welcome. We have all had that sickening feeling in the pit of our stomachs, a feeling that tells us you are not alone. Sometimes we come to know we're surrounded by the spirits of our loved ones. They're cheering us on from beyond the grave. But when it's not the angels, it's the demons from beyond. Those entities that appear where they're least wanted. They lurk, they stalk, they creep, and they will be the end of us. First, it waits till you are sleeping, followed by a demon inside. Then, the soul defender. Finally, in our featured story, See no evil, feel no evil. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. And of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with a story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you love Something Scary, then join us on Patreon. As a patron, not only can you have access to our members-only Discord, and have free bonus episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcast or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. Before we get started, have you checked out our merch? We have some super cool cozy hoodies and we have a writer's and artist journal. Check it out at somethingscary.com. There is 20% off at checkout through December 15th and they make great holiday gifts, just saying. So, wanna hear something scary? Am I being watched? If you break the rules, you have to expect there may be deadly consequences. Like in this story inspired by Sophia. Being obsessed with my phone was an understatement. If I wasn't scrolling on TikTok, I was texting. My parents said it was rotting my brain. So for the holidays, they sent me to stay with my abuelita, just outside of Aguap in Brazil. She was a staunch old woman who I hardly knew. From the moment I got there, I was unsettled. Everything felt a little off, from the food I wasn't used to, to the strange smell of furniture. While unpacking my suitcase, my abuelita took my phone away. What the hell? She told me my parents had instructed her to do so. Already hating it here, I was thankful it would only be for one week. During the day, we were out and about in town, 
Abuelita droned on about the city's history and creepy tales like La Pisadera, a haggard witch who attacks you in your sleep. My mind wandered thinking about my friends, but I still managed to smile and nod. I decided to be a picture-perfect granddaughter. I helped cook, even had seconds at dinner. I ate until I was stuffed. She loved that. Then, when Abuelita took a shower, I ransacked her room for my phone. Eventually, I found it, tucked away in a shoebox among family photos and rosary beads. I got into bed and immediately turned it on. I was scrolling through when all of a sudden I heard footsteps. I quickly shoved the phone under my pillow and pretended to be asleep. The door creaked open and the footsteps got closer. I tried to stay still while my heart pounded through my chest. I kept my eyes closed. The last thing I needed was to get in trouble for stealing my phone back. I could feel her hovering over my body. Just go away already, I thought. Finally, she did. And then I quickly drifted off to sleep. The next day, same routine. I behaved perfectly while secretly looking forward to getting into bed to check my phone. While I was scrolling through, I heard the footsteps. Really, again? I quickly ditched the device and assumed the sleep position on my back. That time she crept closer to me did she know I wasn't really asleep? I could feel her exhale on my face. I tried not to wince as the stench of her rotting breath blew up my nostrils. It was as if she was dying from the inside out. She hovered over me for longer that night. I felt the anxiety rise in my throat as I tried to lay perfectly still. Just when I thought I would have to open my eyes, she left. The entire next day, I couldn't shake that eerie feeling from the night before. Even at the grocery store, I felt like I had eyes on me. Even once in a while, I'd get a whiff of that putrid breath. At dinner, before I went to my room, I told Abuelita I was a big girl. She didn't need to check on me every night. Her nose wrinkled as she said, I haven't checked on you at night. My heart jumped into my throat, my stomach like ice, but I couldn't let on something was wrong because then I would have to admit the truth, that I lied and snuck into her room to steal my phone. That I wasn't going to sleep when I was supposed to, and that some freak was coming into my room at night. My mind was racing. Was she messing with me? I don't think she would lie, but maybe this was my punishment for misbehaving. Maybe she knew the whole time. I felt so sick. I'd eaten a ton that past week. I felt like I could throw it all up. Who was coming into my room in the middle of the night? I lay in bed later with my eyes wide open, phone untouched. It was after midnight when I started to drift off. I woke with a start. I tried to draw breath, but I couldn't. I was pinned to my bed, the familiar scent of spoiled meat filling my nose. I dared to open my eyes fully and tried to scream, but I couldn't. It still felt like I was choking, drowning underwater as my lungs collapsed in on themselves. And there it was sitting on top of my chest, looming over me. A disheveled mess of what once might have looked like a woman. Her stringy hair dangled in my eyes. She tried to pry my mouth open with her filthy, gnarled fingernails. I tried to clench my jaw closed as long as I could, but my body fought against me, flinging open my jaw so I could gasp for air. Her claws penetrated through my mouth and into my stomach, the pain was unbearable, then finally I let out a blood-curdling scream. 
I woke up cradled in Abuelita's arms. I was drenched in sweat and tears. It looked like she hadn't slept all night. Lo lamento mucho, lo lamento mucho, she whispered. She knew something was wrong at dinner that night. She said she never should have let me go to sleep on such a full belly. Shouldn't have let me sleep alone. For years, she carried the guilt for practically inviting La Pisaterra into my room. Always trying to take away her heavy burden, I assured her I was fine, but I'm not. She still visits. It's almost a relief when La Pisaterra shows up now. It's no worse than the torture I feel just waiting for her to haunt me again. Have you ever been told something that changed everything? Would you rather know you're surrounded by a ghost or spirit? Or do you think ignorance is bliss? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You must be protective of who you let into your home. They might mistake your kindness for weakness. Like in this story inspired by Millie. My family recently moved to a small town in Idaho. My parents thought it was best to leave the city and live somewhere quiet. My younger sister, Agatha, had always been overwhelmed by too much noise. She seemed sensitive to everything, really. The open space and smaller schools would be good for her. And finally, my parents didn't have to worry so they could focus on their long-neglected jobs. My sister was a march to the beat of her own drum type. She was always making up strange tales. That's why I didn't believe her at first when she told me about her new friend. She'd been bullied at her previous school, so it pleased my parents that things would be different here. It was a little suspicious, but I never questioned it. Getting ready for bed, I heard my sister talking in her room. Looking to eavesdrop, I crept out of bed, through the hallway, and stood at her door. I heard her voice clearly. She said, Are you hungry? Don't be scared. I can help you. I barged into the room to see Agatha on her bed with the lights off and the window open. She quickly turned as I demanded to know who she'd snuck into the house. Nobody, she hissed. I didn't know he was coming, but he found me. He promised I'd never be alone. She seemed excited. What are you talking about? I asked. Toby, (laughs) she giggled. I ran to the window but couldn't see anyone outside. Looking down the two stories of the house, there was no way anyone could crawl up that high. There was no one down there. Not down there, she said. Right next to you. Slamming the door, I stormed out of her room and went back to bed. 
I hate when she tries to mess with me. The next day, Agatha seemed tired, as if she'd been up for hours with little sleep. My parents seemed to notice too, but didn't question it. Mom made breakfast as usual. Agatha was usually too picky to eat anything, but that morning she asked if she could take extra upstairs. Mom looked conflicted, wanting to insist she eat at the table. But since she looked so clammy and exhausted, she decided to let her go. After just a couple of minutes, Agatha came back downstairs with an empty plate. I looked over suspiciously. You okay? I asked. Toby was hungry, she whispered. Ugh, enough already. This Toby craft was starting to get old. And she knew I always worried for her. These tricks just ate at me. I didn't care that she went to school upset with me. At least then maybe she would stop. Days went by and I noticed she wasn't eating. I started to worry about her. When I pointed it out to mom, she said Agatha now ate in her room and her plate was always empty. But I wasn't convinced. Every morning, Agatha would come down looking more sleep deprived. I even noticed her ribs becoming more prominent. There was no way she was clearing plates of food. We were on bad terms and I hated that. I went into her room one night to ask about what was going on with her. Not to excuse her of lying, but to see if I could try and understand what was going on. So I played along and asked what Toby looked like. Without missing a beat, she said he was tall, tall enough to reach the ceiling. He had gray spiky skin and short hair sticking out of his skull. He had sharp teeth and a wide grin. Terrified by her mind, I tried to imagine what she described. My shocked expression didn't help and I could tell she was upset. Her voice lowered to a whisper. Don't understand, her eyes welling with tears. Stop lying to me, I yelled at her, partially because I was freaked out. If she didn't stop, I was going to have to tell mom and dad. She knew we didn't want to worry them. From that moment on, she was going to eat downstairs with the rest of us. Through her quiet sobs, she simply nodded and I went to bed. After sleeping for only a few minutes, I was awoken by a disturbing cry, Agatha, but she almost sounded like a baby, not herself. I tried to ignore it. She would get over it by morning. The next day, Agatha came downstairs and actually ate breakfast with us. I was hoping once and for all she was done with this Toby thing. As she was scoffing down her food, I could tell she was hungry. Then came a cry from upstairs, that same babyish cry from last night. But if Agatha was here, her eyes widened with dread. She looked up towards the stairs, the cry growing louder. I looked at her, she looked at me. No, I didn't want to believe it. Our dad grabbed his baseball bat and ran upstairs, presuming a wild animal had gotten in. We followed and looked on from the bottom of the stairs. We watched in horror as he got swept in through the door, slamming behind him. Toby was in control. We heard screams of agony coming from our dad, as if he was being savagely torn apart and eaten alive. We fed Toby whatever he wanted after that, as long as he would spare my sister. Have you ever overheard someone talking to themselves? How do you know there wasn't someone there you couldn't see? And what would you do if they insisted there was?
It has been said there are souls all around us, watching and guarding those at rest. If you cross paths, they better have our best interests at heart, or it could be deadly. Like in this story, inspired by Janice. When Danielle Thomas began attending college near the notoriously famous town of Sleepy Hollow, New York, she made friends quickly. Her great-great-grandparents had once lived in the town over a century ago. Her own family were now in Georgia, but upon returning to her ancestors' old stomping grounds, Danielle's new friends welcomed her as she had come home. Within just weeks, she'd met Charlie and Asavi, and the trio were inseparable. Danielle began to hear more about the folklore that Sleepy Hollow was known for. She'd seen the movies, read the books, and was quite familiar with the Headless Horseman, but she had no idea how many other mysteries lay within their city limits, or the ones she may come to face head on. One evening, Charlie and Asavi picked Danielle up for a night out. However, after driving to the opposite side of town, Danielle began to get suspicious. Before she knew it, the car was pulling into the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. Charlie and Asavi laughed it off and promised Danielle it was just a rite of passage, that they would walk around the cemetery, show her some stuff, and then they'd go grab pizza. No big deal. As they started walking, it began to get harder and harder to see in the darkness. Using the light from their phones, they made their way past the infamous Headless Horseman, which was far less impressive than Danielle had expected. And on they walked until Asavi pointed to their last stop. It was a statue of a sitting woman facing a mausoleum. Charlie explained this was the bronze lady and she came with a spooky story. Apparently, she was built for whoever lay resting in the mausoleum she faced. People said she was the protector, that she stood guard, always keeping watch. If anyone messed with the mausoleum or her statue, bad things would happen. Asavi continued, Supposedly, if you sit in her lap, she'll kill you before you can even leave the cemetery. They stared at the statue's sullen face, looking into her eyes. Then, Asavi and Charlie burst out laughing, causing Danielle to join in. Clearly, the girls were messing with her. Asavi jumped into the statue's lap, taking selfies. Charlie pushed her out of the way, only to do the same. Next was Danielle's turn. Against her better judgment, she sat upon her lap and forced a smile so the girls could snap her photo. Then she quickly stood up and started heading back to the car, prompting the others to join. As they began to walk, Danielle in the lead, they heard heavy footsteps behind them. They turned, and there behind them was an impossible sight. Before Savi and Charlie could move, the thing reached out to them. They screamed in agony as it grabbed their arms, breaking the bones instantly. Danielle tried to run but fell. She helplessly watched it slam her two best friends' heads together, their skulls cracking like watermelons. They fell to the ground, limp, dead. Danielle tried to crawl backwards on the ground, fearfully making eye contact. She didn't know how, but the bronze lady had come to life and was filled with rage. Danielle was swooped up by the shoulders, her face just inches from the statue. The lady stared into Danielle's eyes in fury, its jaw unhinged, letting out a horrible shriek. Danielle wept in terror. Just before she ripped her apart, the statue noticed something about Danielle. Did a double take seeming confused. Then she dropped Danielle, who hit the ground still kicking and crying. It took several moments for her to gain composure. She looked around. The statue was gone. She shone her cell over to where it had been originally sitting. And there she was, just as before, sitting, sullen, frozen. 
The next thing Danielle knew, a security guard and a gravedigger were running up to her. They heard the screaming. Danielle was almost incoherent as the two men checked on the bodies of Asavi and Charlie. She kept trying to explain what happened, realizing she sounded insane. The men looked at each other. The girls were dead, yet they didn't seem surprised at the story coming out of Danielle's mouth. Their question wasn't, how could that possibly happen? Instead, they asked, why did she spare you? Danielle didn't know. But as the security guards began to call for backup and started taking down information, he asked for her full name, Danielle Samantha Thomas. The two men's ears perked up. Danielle repeated it, confused. That's when the gravedigger went over to the mausoleum and pulled back some brush that covered the stone. It read, Here lies Civil War General Samuel Thomas, a leader and a legend. The men stared at Danielle, who was stunned. The gravedigger asked, already knowing the answer, I don't suppose you two are related. Have you ever felt compelled to do something with friends that didn't quite feel right? Would you play along with a cemetery prank? Or do you prefer to let the dead rest in peace? And as somebody that frequents cemeteries almost every week, may I give you some advice? Never sit on somebody's grave. In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of Tonome, a Japanese spirit, written by Janine Pipe and animated over on our YouTube channel. If you stand by and do nothing when witnessing something terrible, you may just be as guilty as the evildoers and karma will get back at you. Kido paced frantically around her bedroom, agonizing over what just happened that night. She hadn't meant for any of it to happen. She waited her whole life to spend time with Hannah and Sora, the two most popular girls in class. And it ended in disaster. She had thought that their sleepover party would be fun and exciting. How could she have known that the pair thought that slumber parties and makeovers were just for babies? Instead, they liked to sneak out, shoplift, and play pranks. Whether it was egging a teacher's car or knocking over trash cans, their behavior was far from the beloved persona they showed at school. Kato refused to partake as she watched her friends pocketing lip gloss at the drugstore. And she even turned a blind eye when they slashed someone's tires. But the night had come to an abrupt halt after they came across an elderly blind man on the sidewalk. He was walking very slowly, holding a bag with what looked like a ton of candy in it. He smelled like old cigarettes. I bet he doesn't even have any teeth. Hannah laughed cruelly. Let's take it from him, Sora suggested. Hannah immediately agreed. Come on, Kato, they said in unison. Come play. Kato knew stealing from an old guy who couldn't even see to defend himself was out of the question. So she folded her arms across her chest defiantly. The others didn't care and simply laughed. They called her a baby as they ran to the man and tried to grab the bag. The man cried out, frightened, and swung the bag at Sora in defense. She cried out when it struck her 
Hannah retaliated and shoved the old man. She hadn't realized her own strength, and the man stumbled and fell. There was a sickening crack as his head hit the sidewalk. Cato watched in horror as blood began to pool around him. He managed to croak out a few words. If only I could have seen your faces. Run, hissed Sora. And they did. As they slowed on the approach to Kato's house, Hannah grabbed her. You say nothing. This dies with us. Understood? And while Kato agreed, the guilt began to gnaw away at her, and she paced her room. A few hours later, she headed back to the park, intending to help the man. But he was gone. Kato wandered back home, wondering what had become of the old man. Days passed, and Kato's guilt grew. She spent more time in the park than anywhere else, hoping to see the man, to know he was okay. One evening, a cop was there, and Kato wanted to run back, but he came over looking concerned. His badge read Officer Tanaka. We have seen reports of teenage girls being followed by an odd man, Tanaka said. Please go home, and you should walk with your friends. Safety in numbers. Kato nodded and began to hurry home. Despite her haste, she thought she could hear something behind her. Footsteps. Yet, when she looked over her shoulder, there was no one there. Each time Kato left the house, she sends someone following, but she never saw anything. She had no one to confide in. Neither Hannah nor Sora had been in school that week. She simply thought it had to be a mixture of remorse and paranoia. Then, late one evening, she was heading back from the library. In her haste, she dropped the books she was balancing. As she knelt to pick them up, she felt a hand on her shoulder. The smell of old cigarettes turned her stomach. She managed to twist around, and just as she feared, stood behind her, towering above, was the old blind man from the park. And possibly, there was still blood on his head, too. As though it had just happened, not weeks having passed by. Kato was simply too scared to move from the ground and too confused to question how this was possible when the man spoke. I have just found you, last girl to be punished, you who stood by and did nothing. He let go of her for a moment and raised his arms to reveal the palms of his hands. Kato screamed, almost passing out from shock and fear. On each palm was an eyeball. I couldn't see when I was alive. You girls took advantage. Now I have sight, and you will pay. Officer Tanaka closed the file on his desk. He hoped this girl would be the last. Three young girls brutally murdered, and no leads whatsoever other than that creepy old man. He prayed whatever they had done had been answered for. The Tanome doesn't rest until it has full revenge. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. 
Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>